I love Steve Jobs' talk. Uh, I remember once uh, I told Steve this story. I was talking to a uh, young communist friend or socialist or something, and uh, this uh, student was telling me about the ruling class. And the ruling class is a bunch of very wealthy, uh, powerful people in this country who meet on occasions and are never observed, but they plan the future and they uh, decide on whether the oil business will grow or not and whether there will be an energy shortage and whether uh, we should uh, increase or decrease. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard talk about the ruling class. The government is just a pawn in this game. And he went on for a while and he said, uh, that's really we little people have no influence on society. And after a while, I got tired of that, and I said, oh, that's just wishful thinking. Uh, and uh, I agree with Steve. I don't think anyone's in charge. And uh, the more experience one has, the more you find that the people running things are just as confused as you and me. And uh, something. Uh, one of the things I do about that is that I'm an officer of the L5 Society, which you may never have heard of, which is in... And, and my view is we should spend one part in a thousand of our income on space travel and space colonization, uh, which we don't, uh, so that if something bad happens, there will be at least some survival. Because we may be the only intelligent thing in the universe, for all we know, and if we goof, it would be nice for there to be a chance for it to start over. Well, I'd like to tell you about artificial intelligence, and uh, there isn't time. Uh, what that is, is it's, it's a new science. It's not completely new, but since computers appeared in about 1950, what also appeared were new ideas about processes, ideas that I think are new under the sun in the sense that before 1950, we had a lot of mathematics, we had theories of psychology, but we had no way to describe knowledge and processes. Philosophers were very muddled. They, uh, they had logic, and uh, it didn't work very well to explain how ordinary things work. Uh, for example, uh, when you try to make a computer solve problems, you discover that you have to tell it that before you put something in a box, you'll have to open it. And uh, what happens is that there's a new science of the ordinary. And I want to encourage uh, everybody who's interested in the future to look into this field called artificial intelligence. It's absolutely new. In 30 years, it's going to be the most important industry in the world. Uh, computers are going to slowly become intelligent. It may take 300 years, and that's a small amount of time. You know it's 300 years from Newton to Einstein, and there was no moment in that period of 300 years when there weren't great discoveries made every year, every five years. Computer science is not just, or computers are not just calculators. They're a new approach to the idea that you can handle knowledge as though it were objects. There are new kinds of structures, new kinds of of theories that were never seen before, and the public doesn't know about them. I'm just saying if you want to see the most influential of all new sciences, genetics is part of it. No one knows how the genes in the cell determine the structures yet, and I predict that you're going to find all sorts of wonderful ideas that uh, none of the uh, biologists have thought of yet. Things like Fortran and uh, programming languages like that are going to turn up in the million genes which are not yet understood. Well, this is a question of what to be. And I, another thing I liked about what Steve said was that uh, if you want to be original and innovative, you have to be different. You have to have courage. And the idea of being something 
I think is a form that our society puts on people because it doesn't know what to do with them. Uh, look, it takes three years to get very good at, at certain skills. I mean, if you want to play the piano, it takes ten years. I don't recommend it because uh, it's, it's just so wonderful that there are a billion people all doing different things so that we have some people who can spend uh, ten or fifteen years at something. But, uh, but you can learn a lot in three years. And then you don't have to say, I'm going to be, uh, understand management or I'm going to understand physics or something like that. Why not think of your life as uh, being made of these chunks? I say three years because if you do anything for less than that, you're a dilettante. It really, uh, according to my colleague Herb Simon, who won the Nobel Prize in economics, uh, in order to be an expert on something, you have to learn about 50,000 facts. That sounds like a joke, doesn't it? But you see, you only live 20,000 days. If you learned five facts a day, you'd be pretty good at something by his strange calculation in a, in a few years. Uh, why not say, I'm going to learn 20 things, and they'll take three years each. But I see students who say, I've got to make the big decision. I'm going to be a computer scientist. I'm going to be a mechanical engineer. They're crazy. You can be a pretty good mechanical engineer in three years. What you better first do is do mathematics. People say, well, I'm not good at mathematics. There's no such thing as not being good at mathematics. You just shouldn't be scared of it. Something happens to children to scare them. But it's just stuff. You, you have to learn less facts to be a good mathematician than anything else. Did, did you know that? In 1961, a student of mine named James Slagle wrote one of the first semi-intelligent computer programs, and it did calculus. It had about 120 facts, as I remember. Uh, Slagle was a brilliant guy. He managed to organize these things for the first time in the history of of man, I think, because up to then calculus had been intuitive. This thing got an A in the MIT calculus final exam. And uh, after that, we said, why does it take kids a whole year to learn that? And we never found the answer. Uh, I still don't know. Uh, now, 10 years later, another student tried to write, a student named Terry Winograd wrote a wonderful program which played with blocks the way a kindergarten child does. And that was harder than calculus. You see, uh, there's something about mathematics that it's so crisp and so clear, and you feel so bad when you get it wrong because you feel so dumb that pe <laughs> people are strangely turned off by it. We don't know why, and uh, we've got to find out. The reason I mention mathematics is that uh, I think a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to study that because I'm not made out to be a mathematician. I don't have the right stuff or something. Well, maybe they do and maybe they don't. We don't know how much is innate and how much is learned. But if you think of that sort of thing as a door to open up the future, you see you can't do mechanical engineering or physics or certain kinds of computer science. So what you should do is say, well, I'm going to treat this as uh, something maybe I don't like. I'm going to enjoy not liking it. Another uh, bit of Zen Buddhism. Why let your mind kick you around? If you don't like something, you know what it is? It's, it's a tiny little bit of your brain that uh, something happened when you were seven when you didn't like plus signs or something. And, and then uh, here you're a grown up and you're being kicked around by this, this little nothing which has a bad reaction. It makes you feel uncomfortable in your stomach. I think Edward Teller would have put it because uh, he seems to like the idea that mathematics comes from the gut. Uh, well, uh, what is liking? Why do we think that we have to like what we like? I think if you like something, it's a little bit of your brain uh, turning off the rest, and you learn how to discipline it, and, and it's fun to suffer. If you're learning to play a piece on the piano, I do that frequently, 
and the first time you do something, it's awful, and it takes about two weeks. Well, I simply taught myself to like suffering and like doing things badly for a while, and it's really fun, because if you look at the difference and the improvement, that's great, and uh, it's a lot better than doing something well. There's been a lot of talk about success and entrepreneurship here, and uh, I'm and a lot of talk about patriotism and defense and so forth. I'm very worried about the uh, the basis of the innovation in our country. The government has, uh, and uh, I have a sense of sympathy for it. The new administration is trying to get the big government out of things. It's uh, reducing budgets here and there. And uh, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to uh, trying to get control of anything that's too big, and I hate to pay taxes as much as anyone else. There's something called basic research uh, that I think is suffering very badly in this country, and I want to encourage some of you, the young ones perhaps, to get into that, to look at it more carefully, say, if I'm doing something, is this a fundamental thing that's going to make uh, advances in all fields, or is it just a little bit of engineering or marketing that makes a gadget? Because we're in great danger. Uh, you notice how the automobile business uh, sort of disappeared through lack of innovation, through lack of ideas. I've been to General Motors Research Laboratory over the years. They don't do any basic research. The, they think they do. They're doing research in robotics now. It's not basic research. I don't mean to pick on General Motors. In Japan, people are thinking about artificial intelligence and software and so forth. In this country, we still have a lead in software. Our lead in hardware is going away. But the number of people in this country who are being supported by industry to do what they think is the right thing in looking at new concepts that 10, 15 years from now are going to be important in computer science. Why do I mention that? Because that's going to be the largest industry in the world soon. Uh, there are people who say, well, maybe it's flattened out. Uh, maybe they won't sell a million apples or, or uh, oranges next year. Uh, <laughs> But it hasn't flattened out. There's going to be a trillion-dollar industry. It's going to grow for the next 50 years and the next 300 years, just as it has before. And the reason is, as Bushnell said, the computers are going to become smarter. They're going to start cleaning the floor and uh, filling the potholes in the street. And that's our salvation, because uh, I've heard all the positive statements. I don't have the feeling that Americans want to work or fix potholes. I'm sort of depressed about that, but I don't want to ruin your afternoon. I think we're going to need the robots, and we have a hundred robot companies started in the last two years. Uh, the robot research laboratories in the United States, where people do fundamental research, have deteriorated. Everybody's been stolen away. The amount of basic research in the United States in many fields, maybe with the exception of biology and a little bit of computer science, we're going downhill very, very rapidly. The universities are not having the faculties replaced, the equipment is old, no university can afford to buy the computers that it designed five years ago. And uh, things are going to get worse and worse and worse unless everybody begins to see that uh, entrepreneurship is great, uh, interest rates are great, you can make a lot of money in a short time if you move in the right direction, but somebody has to think about things that are going to take 10 years, and you need a lot of courage to do that. And we need a lot of uh, excitement and activity to get industry to support research, or else uh, this country is going to go to the poorhouse. And I think we're in a very, very critical state. No one in the government understands this. 
there, except uh, paradoxically, because I'm a sort of liberal, uh, the only people who understand the importance of basic research in the entire government, as far as I can see, are these generals that everyone hates, who see that the strength comes from long-range preparation. I think the defense budget is misplaced, that the cost of one B-1 bomber would save American computer science from the tremendous disaster we're facing of it being replaced by the Japanese, because here you have an instrument that's $500 million that would pay for the entire research community for several years and it's being wasted. There's no one in the government in power, though, who sees that we have to do things that take 10 years. It's always four years, two years, three years. Meet this gap, meet that gap. So, um, anyway, I've run out of time, but they'll have to drag me off to... I think I'd like to summarize it, which is that when you make this career choice, don't say, I'm going to be a biologist. Say, I'm going to discover something, I'm going to learn some biology and animal behavior and physics. You can do all those things. Just don't let them put you in that box where you'll do just what everyone else does and nobody will do anything new.